0: Today I want us to take it from Second Corinthians 5 um, in an attempt to understand what it means to be in Christ, what it means to put on Christ. As we largely hear a lot of people say, and maybe you've also confessed that, um, we'll go through a few epistles written mainly by Paul um, to the different churches. We'll go through the Corinthians church, the Galatians, the Colossians, and then back to the Galatians as well. Um, yeah, And um, we take it from verse 16, a little bit out of context, but um, um, our main focus being verse 17 and 18. Where he says in 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh? Yet though Yes, we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we don't know him anymore. Um, I repeat that. He says, from henceforth we know no man after the flesh, even though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we don't know him anymore. And I think I've shared um, 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 what that particular um, verse means. And most people may take it literally that we don't know Jesus in the flesh, walking in the flesh, etc. But basically what that does, or what this means, is drawn from Romans 1. When we speak of how Jesus was known in the flesh, um, according to the flesh, as the son of David in regards to his genealogy, um, in regards to his lineage. And now he says in, in, in Romans 1, he was confirmed um, the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Amen so that's that's the difference um when we say we don't know christ after the flesh we're speaking of a christ who draws his genealogy or lineage from an earthly or yeah from an earthly position to knowing him from one who's from above who's born of god etc but it's verse 13 where the interest starts says therefore because of that knowledge if any man be in christ he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this is a very famous verse that we use in in Christianity. Um, but actually, what does that mean? What does the old things passing away, and the new things coming and becoming new? Sorry, all things becoming new. What does that mean? What does that entail? Right? And uh, it becomes a challenge or a difference in interpretations. Therefore, if you could just leave it there, anyone can come and say, oh, this is what it means to be the old things. This is what it means to, to become new. And therefore, it's quite important that we kind of try and mirror this kind of talk that Paul is bringing with other epistles. What did he say to the other churches? So, But the fundamental or the fundamental... Um, position here is that if a man be in Christ he's a new creature and uh, all things are passed away behold all things are become new I usually share sometimes this verse without the italics as we know that italics were introduced in the translation to English for better reading etc so they're ne- not necessarily there in the original text so if you take away the the the, the italics in this particular verse This verse reads totally different from saying if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It now reads as if any man in Christ, a new creature. So which then emphasizes that the new creature is not the man who now finds themselves in Christ, but it is the Christ who is the new creature. Hallelujah. And therefore all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And what is that that is new? It has to be the Christ. It has to be the new creature. But again, the more deeper question is, what does that mean? This that means that we can then go to the book of Galatians and try and understand. And you know, the battle with the Galatians was was a mixture of what was an old system versus what was now being brought to new. And um, he becomes a bit more more stern um or he comes out a bit you can deem it a bit aggressive but not really most likely he was largely disappointed when you go into galatians 3 he starts calling the people foolish says "Oh, foolish galatians he starts saying they're bewitched because they have left the way of the spirit and they have gone into trying to be justified or to be made right with god through works through obeying the law, and he's asking them the question is, "Who has done this?" And he then, of course, you can't just bubble things up. He then brings scripture into it, trying to make them understand that this thing originates from the time of Abraham, etc. And therefore, from the time of Abraham, he even says the promises that God made um, to Abraham were between God um, were between were between God and Abraham but they were necessarily, it was between Abraham and the Christ. He says that's, those are the two parties that were involved in the agreement of the promise to Abraham, right? And uh, he then tries to argue that why do you then deem the law that came 430 years after the agreement was made as the thing now that will determine um, if the promise comes or not? He says, how can you have a promise 430 years um, before something comes? And when that something comes, you then see it as the only and the sole reason why the promise should come. So he says, no. He explains why the law then had to come. He even explains how the law could not bring any justification to any man. But long story short, in his conclusion of what the law did in terms of ushering us into or ushering them, to be more specific, Into this newness that we are now talking about. So when you read verse 26, he then says, For you are no longer, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Then he says, verse 27, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And uh, yes, one can argue that's not similar to what we read, but it kind of has the same tone. If a man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have uh, all things have passed, and new has come. He says, if a man be baptized into Christ, what they have actually done is that they have put on Christ. And the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean? We ask the first question: What does it mean that all things have passed and new things have come? Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves again is: What does it mean to come in, to be baptized into Christ? And more more importantly. What does it mean to put on Christ? Is he a garment? Is he some jacket that you have to put on, right? Um, And it makes sense, you know, because in the Corinthians church, it speaks of how the old things have to be taken away. The old things go, and then you are not left bare. It's actually new comes, right? So in this particular time, in in this particular instance, it's actually being baptized into Christ and then putting on Christ. Then he says something profound in verse 28. Following that, baptism into Christ and putting on Christ, he says, there is there, there, meaning that location, there is no G- Jew, no Greek. And that just to mean issues around nationality and belonging, and stuff like that. He says, there is neither born nor free, there is neither male nor female, which is quite interesting, right? Yeah, when we speak of Christ, we tend to lose gender. And that's a different story when we speak about marriage and relationships we have. But here, particularly speaking, when we speak of Christ, the gender is lost. Um, Why? He says, because you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because you are all one in Christ Jesus. And he says, that is what happens when we put on Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, he hmm? says there is lost of any form of discrimination or any differences. Why? Because we're one with Christ. So now we've taken this from Second Corinthians 5, where for men, being Christ is a new creature, and we, we kind of understood that the new creature is Christ, and how then you take off the old and the new comes. Now we're being told to be baptized and uh, we're baptized into Christ and uh, putting on Christ, and how then that becomes some form of location where, where we are one in Christ. There's no discrimination in terms of nationality or religion or whatever. Um, there's no discrimination even in gender. <sighs> this then takes, takes us to the Colossians Church to try and understand how did he put it To the Colossians church, because definitely he's talking about one and the same thing. He cannot be speaking about a different doctrine to the Galatians and a different doctrine to the Colossians, and a different doctrine to the Coloss um, to the to the Corinthians. So definitely, there is um, similarities that we can draw in this, and um, in the Colossians church in chapter three, which starts by saying now that you have been reasoned with christ right now that you've been reasoned with christ he says seek those things that are above where christ seated on the right hand of god hallelujah um um so that's the context of the chapter right now that you've reasoned with christ now that you have been reasoned with christ amen and that sim- simply means you've died to something and you're now being reasoned to something. And you are reasoned um, reason with Christ. He says round about <clears throat> verse 8. Speaking of things that you need to put off. He says, you, you need to put off. right? Put this off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Why are, we, why are we putting off these things? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of our mouth. Lying not to one another. It's because we have already put off the old man with his deeds. And this is a very profound thing. Meaning... You can be in a position where you've put off the old man with his deeds, but these things are still available or these things are still seen in you. And that does not discredit you. And that's why he's encouraging them to put them to be conscious of these things and to put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy fill the communications out of your mouth, lying to one another. He says you put these things off because your reality is that you have put off the old man. With his deeds. And guess what? Once you put off the old man, you don't remain naked. He says, and verse 10 and have put on the new. Hallelujah. You've put on the new. If a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If a man be in Christ, a new creature. All things have passed and the new has come. Right? So, what's the new? We understand it's the Christ. So he's saying since you've put the old man out and you've put on the new one, you need to take away these things. You need to be conscious about these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Lying not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new. And he explains this new. you. He says, which is renewed in knowledge. After the image of him that created him. Verse 11 he says. Where they. Where they. Again location. Is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcision nor uncircumcised. That simply speaks to religion. Barbarian nor Scythian. Born nor free. But Christ is all. And in all. Similar to Galatians 3, right? We read this. But he was in the context of saying, You are baptized into Christ, and therefore you've put on Christ, and there where you are now, there's no discrimination of gender, there's no discrimination of religion, there's no discrimination of nationality, but you are one in Christ. Then he says here, You need to, since you have already put off, remember the context, now that you have reasoned with Christ, this is what you need to put off. You've already put off the old man with his deeds. But be conscious that the issues around anger, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of our mouth, lying to one another, are addressed because you've put on the new man. And he explains that there, in the new man, there's no discrimination in terms of being Greek or Jew, being circumcised or uncircumcised, being born or free. But he says this is what is more permanent or or what we see there. After putting on the new man, it's that Christ is all, not some of the things. Christ is all. Let me repeat that it's not that we see parts of Christ, we see Christ in all and in all. And the big question we have, and that still remains, what does that mean? What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? What does it mean to put on the Christ? What does it mean that Christ is all and in all? What is that? He actually says to the Ephesians church in chapter 4, verse 15, that if we will we, we continue speaking the truth in love, which is the word in love, he says, we shall grow into Christ in all things. What does that mean, growing into Christ in everything? And we always miss it there, and then we start speaking about so many things, about what it means to be in Christ, what could it could mean to be in Christ, Etc. And yet the next verse in the Colossians chapter uh, Chapter 3 verse, uh, verse 12 will give us the answer He says put on therefore With this knowledge that he's just told you now That you've already put on off the new man And you've put on the new man You've put off the old man sorry And you've put on the new man Right? It says the, the old man has his, had his deeds The new man must also have his deeds. And this is how you recognize the new man. He says, put on therefore, right? Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. There's only one thing we're putting on. It's Christ. Because he says we're being taken out of the old man into the new man, which is Christ. We're being baptized into Christ. But now he will define or describe what it means to put on Christ. So he says, these are things you put on, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, so that... Uh, to, the, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Hallelujah. Now, it goes on and on. But I just wanted to make you understand that when we speak of Christ, it's not something very spooky or something that is not tangible. You understand? The old man had tangible things that you could see that this is the old man. These are the old things that you've passed away from. Now that you are reasoned in Christ, there must be tangible stuff that we see. And it's not far. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruit of being in Christ. These are the things that we see. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiveness, love. These things the world does not offer. These things are not found in the old man. And this is how we are identified this is how they say this is the christ hallelujah and i hope you understand that i hope you understand and i hope you see that even despite the knowledge of saying i am baptized into christ i have put on christ there is still emphasis to be conscious of that and to make effort to get rid of things that are found in the old man and God is good, and that's the mercy of God. That from the pits He's gonna bring you up. And the grace then will have work in enabling you to overcome these things that are contrary to the new man. The new man is not bombastic, the new man is kind, the new man is humble, the new man is meek. The new man forbears one another. The new man forgives. Hallelujah these are the attributes of the new man this is the christ this is putting on christ hallelujah be blessed in jesus name amen